So there's been a lot of crazy weather. There has been, um, so we feel like we're inside a whole lot more. And with it getting darker, and, and also I have this, I grew up in Indiana for most of my adult life. And so there's inside of me this love of basketball. And I know you know, don't know this, but I actually went to Purdue. I talk about it a lot, I know, but that's okay. So I've been watching a lot more Purdue basketball. In fact, I suffered through the loss to that team that we shall not mention their name in Southern Indiana this last week. But back in 2017, the Purdue men's basketball team got together before the season and they came up with this idea that they would wear on their warm-up jerseys 14 different words. And each, each um, warm-up has a different word on the front and, or the back that they wear as they warm up. Peace, justice, humility, respect, togetherness, loyalty, love, unity, empathy, friendship, faith, forgiveness, tolerance, compassion, and equality. These are all words that they have on the back of their jerseys. Like I said, they've been doing this, this for the last now five seasons, and they continue to do this. They came up with this idea as a team because they looked around and they saw that the world seemed to be fractured, and so they came up with things that defined who they were as a team. For myself, I know that whenever I wake up in the morning, I've been trying to think about, over the last few months, about those things that guide me each and every morning. The first thing whenever I look into the mirror in the morning and think about and I try and engage with to remind myself about who I am, the first word that comes, to go, comes up for me is faith. Now, this is not this static belief that exists in a place that I've read or that I can even write down. For me, when I say the word faith, it implies and is a relationship with God that is at different places and different times, sometimes in a place where I feel comfortable, other times when I feel like it's not exactly where I want it to be. But it implies an ongoing conversation with the Almighty. The second is integrity. Whenever I look in the mirror, what I want to do is to look at this person and to recognize that the decisions that I make, both both good decisions and also ones that are challenging, ones that are not quite perfect or might even just be wrong, that they're, they're true to who I am. That the successes that I have, the failures that I have are part of who I am and they come from deep inside of myself. That they're not something that, that I'm trying to do for somebody else, but they are me. It allows me to celebrate the things that I am able to celebrate in my life, but it also enables me to own up to the mistakes that I make because they're only mine when I'm doing things and I'm living out of a place of integrity. 
That last one, I, the third one continues to shift and morph at different times in my life whenever I look at those things that I'm trying to, to kind of think about. Sometimes it's this idea of being a person or a being in motion. Sometimes it's a, an invitation to be more thoughtful, to be more meditative. Sometimes it's a, a word that I thought that I, it's a, more of an action verb. When you look in the mirror, when you sit down and pause and take a deep breath and think about who you are, what are those some things that resonate with who you are down deep inside? If you had to wear a shirt, what might be some of those things that you had on the back of your warm-up jersey? The book of Corinthians is a letter. It's a letter from Paul, and it's written to the people of Corinth. This was a place that he set up as one of the earliest churches that we know of that he put together. He went to this very diverse and and um, cosmopolitan kind of place. This, um, this city sat at a place where, um, where the trade routes went right through it. And so you have a, an incredible and beautiful diversity within this city town. But it also engaged in the fact that you had a lot of different kinds of people. But Paul found a group that was seeking to live out lives that were consistent with following the message, the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Some people called that the way back then. They weren't really called Christians back then. They were just folks that followed the stories of Jesus that they had heard about. It's interesting enough, this letter that we have today predates Matthew, Luke, and John. So they didn't have those books of what we call the Bible back then to guide them. They mainly had oral stories that were being told. There was probably this gospel of Mark, maybe some writings that were moving around someplace that they could read. But it was mainly stories that were told and put together. And so Paul helps them to come together in a house, to gather on a Sabbath, to reflect on what's going on in their lives, to read scriptures and to engage in understandings and thoughtful discussions about faith. Paul set the church up, got it moving, got it going, said this is great, took off to go start another church. But word gets back to him that these folks that he loved so very much that he had gone through all of the setting up of the church together well, they were looking into the mirror themselves and wondering, who are we? And those ideas that had meshed so well at the beginning were now starting to kind of butt heads. They were arguing amongst themselves, really fighting maybe about whose gifts were more important and getting caught up outside of the community and more about who they were as individuals. And so, out of this beautiful community comes chaos and conflict. And so, Paul sits down, 
while he's far away and writes them a letter. Something for them to think about, to read together and to engage in, to address some of the things that are going on as he's heard them. This text does a couple of things. At the very beginning of the letter, if you read it, read Corinthians, you'll see that he kind of lines out the things that he's going to talk about, the things that they're dealing with, those issues that they may have come up. And around the 12th chapter, he begins talking about the way that the Spirit has blessed them as a community and as individuals. The first thing that is interesting is that when we read this, and we're grateful that Rachel read it today, if you notice, it's a little kind of convoluted. And, and, and as you read it, it doesn't quite flow. Part of that is because, remember, this was written in Greek. It wasn't written in English. And so it's been translated. And so the words that are used in English, many times it takes two or three or four words to translate one Greek word. And so that's why it doesn't flow quite as well. So good job. Thanks for sticking in there. Next time you can just read it in Greek and we'll be all, we'll be so much better. <laughs> but, the, but the thing that we miss at the very beginning is, is that with, as um, Paul begins to write, he uses terms and he uses images that from the very beginning root this conversation not in an individual, but in a community. And I, that's what's hard for it to come together from a, an English perspective. Because where we exist here in the United States, and especially in the Western world, is that we operate now in a place of individual first, community second. See, I mean, that, that really, that's the way that things have kind of have morphed into. If you can, maybe even the closest thing we kind of can get to is sometimes you find that you exist in a family unit first, and then as an individual. But the reality is, is that most of the things that we celebrate within our culture, within our world right now, is the individual is the most important thing. It's not the communal. It's just a reality. I think if you look out there, look at the way that we are spoken to over our media and over our commercials and things like that, it's all based in just me rather than in us. But this language that Paul is using from the very beginning is this is that the variety of gifts that exist is only in the midst of community. So individual gifts within the community, not individuals within a community. Can you, are, can you catch that? It's, it's a different understanding of how we look at things. From the very beginning, Paul looks at spirituality with these pieces. That first and foremost, the spirit places or starts this relationship or faith in every single individual. It's a communal thing that exists inside the individual. That the divine unity engenders, engages, implements these ideas of spiritual diversity within the unified peace. And spiritual giftedness is determined and worked out by the spirit, by the community, the community itself, not just from who we are. Spiritual gifts are not ends, 
but benefits of the entire community. The reality is, is that in the end, our gifts are useless outside of community. And each and every person is a spiritually is spiritually gifted within the community. Everybody has value. So that all of this is, is the undercurrent that, you know, some people call it the base note, do, 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 that, that undergirds all of this. What's fascinating about this is that then as you begin to come into this idea, this list of spiritual gifts, it is more a description of the entire community lived out through the individuals rather than individuals that come through the community. So when when Paul writes these and he starts with the list, the first one that comes up to him is this idea of wisdom But it's not the wisdom that some of us may understand. It is a wisdom or a gift of being able to see the gifts of the community. It's first and foremost not one who stands forward to speak, but instead that person that stands on the outside and watches, engages, listens, thinks, processes, and is able to have a vision that is larger than just this, they have a wide vision. Whenever Paul talks about faith, whenever talk, Paul talks about healing, whenever even ta- when God, when when Paul talks about the word, the work of prophecy, this is all in re- in respect to the community itself. Faith is miraculous things that happen within the community. Healing is the way that Christians themselves find healing within the community. Back then. In their world, to find healing, you went to an outside God, you went to something else, and you offered a sacrifice of your own. And you offered that, and in in, um, response to your giving of that gift, you got something back. So you would give it to the God, and the God would give you back. If you were healing, if you were hurt, it was an individual kind of, um, of experience. But for them here, the healing that happens is within community. So those who bring healing bring so within a gathered group of people. Prophecy was not about looking to the future, having an idea of what's going to happen. Instead, it was a way of calling out the things that were going on within the community and how it would kind of extrapolate what kind of the actions that we were doing now, how it influences us moving forward. Do you see the nuance to that? And the interesting thing that I have to remind myself about is that most of the time, people think that the most important person is the person standing up at the mic It's talking. And I have to be reminded, and Richard reminds me weekly of this, just because I stand up here doesn't mean I have anything to say. (laughs) 
But I, I think that that's, that's something that we fall into. Sometimes that person that stands up and has the loudest voice or has the microphone, we can fall into this understanding that they're the most important or that their gift is the most important because they can talk. What I have to say is not always right. I need people outside within the community that are holding me accountable, that are engaging with me, that are talking with me. It's one of the reasons why I love going out and visiting within our congregation, why I enjoy sitting down and talking to people like Doris Cotton, why I enjoy going out and spending time with Bill McKinney, why I enjoy spending time over coffee with people and hearing their faith stories. Because when I do that, it doesn't become my voice. Hopefully what my understanding is is that the gift of being at this microphone is that it celebrates the community. Not just what I have to say. So thank you, Paul, for putting that at the bottom of the list. And the interesting thing, he throws right after that that there needs to be people that listen to the person that's talking and gives feedback. <laughs> So what are our gifts? What is your gift that you bring? Have you been thinking about that? I've given you guys a lot of time to think about these things, so I know you're spending a lot of time at home working on this stuff. But when you're out walking, when you've got your headphones in, you're listening to your music, maybe when you're washing dishes at the sink or when you're making dinner, or maybe when you can't sleep at night, instead of going on your phone and scrolling through Instagram and Facebook, maybe you can wonder, where, where's my gift that's coming out of this community? We've been writing them on the little post-its and putting them on the, on the, the window out here. So today, if, if one's come to you over the last few weeks, I'd invite you to do that. Write, that, write it on the post-it. Stick it up there on the wall or the window. If you're on Zoom, you can put it in the comments section or you can email me, text me, and I'll put it up there for you. You don't have to put your name, just put the, put the gift. I love it that our kids are up there. Some of them even drew pictures when they couldn't write. Because as we move forward, thinking about what our gifts are, as we move forward thinking about the ways that we shine our light out into this world as a community of White Oak Pond, but also as a community of Richmond and Madison County and Kentucky and the United States and in this world, that we recognize that our gifts only have meaning when they exist with others. What will we do? What will our gifts look like? Will we wear them on the back of our shirts? That'd be cool. We'd have like warm up jerseys. They'd probably be black and gold. I love those colors. 
for some reason. I don't know what it is. But, you know, what would, what would it be if we wore those? And what would it be like if we celebrated each other for them? This sermon is not done. It, it, it can't end. That was your opening, Richard. Come on. So what will it be? I look forward to the continued conversation. Because this, this is who we are. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.